Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Coming up in this edition of TV Black Box, our assessment of all the big changes at Channel 10. Chappelle Corby set to make her reality TV debut... And we speak with the one and only Grant Danya. Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. This is TV Black Box, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Well, hello there and welcome to TV Black Box in what has been an uneventful week in television, so we'll see you next week. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> maybe not, maybe not. There's been a few things happening, hasn't there? Let's meet the people who are going to share their views and opinions with us tonight. It's going to be Sarah Monaghan, Shrink Tank herself. Good and Sarah. Guten Tag. <laughs> uh, ben Norris is with us. Hello, Ben. Hi, how are you going? Malky Mog. Yes, I'm here and I'm so keen for a chat. <laughs> and, of course... He brings the gravitas. It's none other than Stephen Brookie Brook. Hello, Brookie. In Trulligancy Bitter, Happensy Adzimmer Fry. Yeah, jawohl. Sauerkraut. He got a C in German. (laughs) (laughs) That's like year 10 German. I don't know why I remembered that, but ask me what I did last week. I can't tell you. He just ordered a pizza, by the way. (laughs) It's uh, (laughs) a. True, yes. Very good. Um, all right. <laughs> I said sauerkraut, but is, is sauerkraut, oh is that German? It can be. Or okay. Polish. <laughs> so amazing how quick Rob is on the ball when he's, it's the best. <laughs> <laughs> big day, big day. All right. We've got a lot coming up tonight and we really do need as much time as we possibly can to talk about these issues, so let's get into it. And as you all know, it's been a big week for Channel 10 with the announcement of a major restructure in the news division, which has seen high-profile talent made redundant. The news, sport and weather readers in Adelaide, Perth and Brisbane are all gone, with those services to be replaced by a simulcast version from Sydney and Melbourne with local inserts. Tim Bailey and Mike Larkin, the weather presenters in Sydney and Melbourne, have also been dropped in favour of a network meteorologist yet to be announced. Brookie, this was a devastating day of changes. It was a devastating day of changes, and I think it's very bad news for local audiences in those outlying states that they can get their news in effect, the presenting of it networked from Sydney and Melbourne. They'll have local crews and reporters still on the ground. I think it's a bad look. I don't think it'll be popular with viewers. And I think that the problems, notwithstanding COVID and the impact it's had on advertising, can be traced back to Channel 10's strategy, the $200 million loss from last year, Mm. the fact that it commissions raft after raft of extremely expensive reality Programs, I'm a Celebrity, filmed overseas in Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bachelor in Paradise, filmed overseas, Race Around the World, filmed overseas. And it's just not making money on these programs and hence the cutbacks. Uh, the project left unscathed and I think that does make money for 10, but it's a sad indictment on how that business has been operating. Guys, you know, when it comes to I'm a Celebrity this year that'll be done in Queensland as we've reported so like that I think will be a lot cheaper so there's obviously some cuts there I don't know whether or not Bachelor in Paradise should ever go ahead I mean it's not a very good show so like I think they should save some money (laughs) on never having that on our tv again but like I think that there's going to be a a different landscape of television for 2021 that's for sure it's just disappointing to see so many people who work so hard behind the scenes and probably don't get thanked very much you know, take the chop. 
it, it's it's very difficult. And thank you, Ben, for some of the understatements of the year in, in your opening gambit. That was excellent. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I agree. Bachelor in Paradise, not a very good show. That's an understatement. Um, it, a lot of people lost their jobs last week or were told that they're about to lose their jobs from 10. Um, diabolical in what it says to the Adelaide, Perth and Brisbane markets that they are ostensibly not good enough to have a local presenter, a local sports you know, reader and a, and a local um, you know, weather reporter come meteorologist. For example, in Brisbane, uh, Georgina Lewis has been doing a great job on 10 um, as solo host now for I think it's five or six years. Josh Holt, uh, who is a meteorologist, lost his job to another meteorologist. Like yeah. none of this makes sense. Josh has um, done the national weather over remember over just the last Christmas break, yep. they went to a national bulletin. Josh was their weather guy. So it's it's kind of there's some crazy decisions. And then there is all the behind the scenes people, um, from producers to camos to soundies to all of the people, plus I'm sure some journalists that aren't gonna have gigs in the in the near future. As far as the project, you know, being safe and secure, look largely everybody on that show aren't paid for directly by 10. There's a but couple are. that are signed as 10 talent and then roving pay them. Yes, but 10 pays roving. This idea sure, that because but it's an it, outside and production. It is, but it, it's, it's how you slice the bacon, right? Mm. The fact that they pay roving, if they want to reduce the budget for roving, sure, then all of a sudden well, they will probably contract. be. The simple yeah. fact is a contract would be in place that takes them through to the end of the year or something like that. And with a set budget, and 10 can't go back and change that budget. This is why I'm assuming the project hasn't been touched because they're protected by the contracts in place with an external company. That would be a complete renegotiation. I'd absolutely expect that the next contract will be a very interesting one between 10 and Roving because they'll be looking to, to slice costs, 10 will, as, as they continue to, because I expect this is where we're now starting to see the new overlords in Viacom CBS wanting to see 10 be a profitable network. Interestingly enough, Sumner Redstone, he who passed away last week at 97, uh, he was most famous for quoted saying, content is king. And mm -hmm. then you see all of what had happened across Channel 10, which I don't, I don't know, some of it does seem like good content decisions, but some of it just seems really bad. And can we just hopefully say that maybe this has to do with COVID-19 and when we get back on the road, a lot of these people will get their jobs back? Or am I extremely naive to no, think that? No, it doesn't work like that. Look, there's a couple of things at play here. Um, the fact that when there have been redundancies in the past, there's always been a, an ability to try and protect the product. Mm -hmm. As in, you know, like there are people like Natasha Belling who've always continued to have employment. Name synonymous with the brand, right? Absolutely. This has been deep and brutal. As Brookie said, they lost $226 million they were in the red last year. Yeah, wow. They now have a parent company that when it was just CBS was fine because CBS is a very healthy company. But when Viacom rejoined with CBS, CBS had to take their problems on is my and Brookie you would know this better than me I'm not the best in business um but the fact is that budgets are tight and there is not money being poured in and we also have the effects of COVID but this started before COVID-19 COVID-19 has accelerated things what you will never get back are those local news services seven yeah. did this in Adelaide if you remember they started uh having the Adelaide Bulletin I think maybe the Brisbane Bulletin out of Melbourne. So it was the 10 model, what they're doing here, except it was presented locally in Melbourne mm -hmm. um, in, in the second studio and uh, it had a control room and, and so they were still doing it but they saved on facilities of cameramen and all that kind of stuff. The problem for Seven was it takes its news brand very seriously and it just became a PR disaster. You know, yep. Nine was able to sell itself as the only true and local news service. Um, the papers went to town every day on it and basically Seven decided to reverse that decision. Oh, Ten, I imagine the politicians did as well. Yes. Ten, however, are, are getting rid of the key people that have been in those markets. I don't think there'll ever be a recovery from this. This is done. This is dusted. This isn't going to be a couple of years like other things. There's not going to be a big injection in, of funds. TV is dying. 
And what we're seeing here is networks trying to struggle on. And I'm a big TV supporter. I advocate TV. But we are in the process of a change. And the change is the what happens into the internet world. And we'll talk about Google and what they're doing and the whole um, thing going on with them in a moment. But 10 will not reinvest into news. It's never been their priority. It has had a devastating effect and you've lost so much key talent and they're going to go on and get other jobs. That's what people do. People have to survive. So it's hard. But I will also say I don't think anyone at 10 is making this decision easily. These are tough decisions to lose so many people, so many key people that have been part of Channel 10. This is not easy. And I actually, this might surprise everyone, I have a lot of sympathy for the people in charge making these decisions. Nobody wants this outcome. It's very, very difficult. Every, everything about this is a mess, from a PR perspective to a market perspective to what will ultimately be an income perspective. Uh, mm. Like just the casualties of, if we focus on Sydney, Natasha Belling and Tim Bailey being cut after both of them around the 30-year mark. I think Tim's yep. just over and Natasha's just under. Mm. Holy crap, how bad are things from a profitability point of view when two of your long-standing talent names that are, as I said, synonymous with your brand, you think are expendable? Now, I know they didn't walk out with nothing. Both of them will have been paid out. They will be paid out their contracts. And that doesn't, you know, keep them warm at night. However, it gives them a bit of all off you go and there we go. That's the end of that. There's still heaps of years that they have in them that they can be uh, working and doing all sorts of things. And I've already heard, I mean, we had to hose down the rumour, didn't we, Rob, that that Natasha Belling was going to the Today Show. Mm. I've also heard Tim Bailey's name tossed up there that he's going to go to the Today Show. Who knows? Like, wherever they land, God bless them and go hard. That, That 10 felt that that was the acceptable level of cut in this situation reveals far more than I think they're willing to admit around the situation inside Piermont. It's desperate. See, times. I knew things were bad when I heard Tim Bailey because it's like mm. when you live overseas for so long and every Australian expat, we talk about, you know, going home and, you know, or who you still recognise on TV. And it's like when you hear Tim Bailey, I mean, he's from when I was a child doing yeah. the news, you know, and I've been gone for 20 years and every time I come home, I'm like, oh, it's Tim Bailey. You know, or I see a, a weather report, you know, on the internet, and it's like it's a little piece of home, and now that's gone. And I'm like, thirty something years, right? It's crazy. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, maybe they make their own YouTube channel with news, or he gets put onto like ABC, like that actually now streams overseas, and all of us overseas. He's can actually have going that to be the Ben piece. Robin Robbo's roving reporter. <laughs> he just found out. <laughs> <laughs> Nice one. All right. Look, it's not just the news division having significant changes. There are big changes coming to Studio 10. We've seen the shock loss of Kerri-Anne Kennelly, Natasha Belling and possibly Joe Hildebrand. Now the Australian is reporting the show will undergo even more changes with the introduction of a male co-host to sit alongside Sarah Harris. The format will be similar to Studio 10's competitors on 9 and 7, leaving very little point of difference between the three morning shows. Sources have confirmed to TV Blackbox this is indeed the plan. As the paper points out, Narelda Jacobs and Angela Bishop will have significant roles on the show but a male co-host will be a prominent fixture with Harris. And we believe the most likely person to assume that role is Dr Andrew Rochford. Rochford has been a fixture on the show lately and is well liked by 10 Management, who are wary of upsetting advertisers with controversial views. The network also fears campaigns from groups like Sleeping Giants during a time when advertising revenue is already soft. Ben, would Andrew Rochford be a good choice for the role? Well, if you're wanting someone to put you to sleep at night, like he's like the type of person who's, you know, capable of doing a really good podcast that, you know, gets you interested enough but sends you into a deep REM. You know, I think exactly what they're trying to do is put someone very, um, you know, competent, and I think he is competent. I think he's very good at what his job is. But it's just so far different to what we have expected from the Studio 10 
uh, brand. I mean, I'm hoping they do change the name and all respect to you, Rob McKnight, with what you did with starting that show. It's now leagues away from where it was. Oh, and it's, I think- not, it's not the same show. They, I mean, the brand name is one thing if you want to keep it, but it's not Studio 10. But, I mean, you sort of tried to make that show kind of like your variety show in the morning, you know, and with some of those old lassies, it was kind of good. You know, you had your Denise Drysdales there and people like that that facilitated that need and it gave it a big point of difference (laughs) to the other networks and I think that was really great for Channel 10. I think their biggest mistake was not necessarily understanding how Studio 10 came about and what the fun and what the magic was behind it and then throwing someone like Carrie ann who, again, is a really good talent. She's very good at what she does. But, you know, in this later part of her life as a presenter, I just kind of feel like she became... uh, She gives no fucks. Yeah, she does give no fucks and I think... I don't even feel comfortable using that word with Carrie because I think at the end of the day what she was trying to do is be controversial for controversial sake. But what we forget is when it comes to TV, people only relate when it's genuinely authentic. You know, when you feel that someone genuinely believes that and there isn't any malice or any dirt or disgustingness behind it. And I feel like she was so far out of what the viewer wanted with Studio 10. So whether Dr. Andrew can do a good job is yet to be seen, but I guess you're 100% right. Advertisers are not going to be upset by him. Brookie is very capable. Um, he's not confirmed. We should, I, yeah. I, and I yes. did put this question to Channel 10 and uh, they gave me a statement with nothing, with a different statement you can read on the TV Black Box website, did not address Andrew Rochford as such. Um, well, the, maybe they don't know. I think yeah, it could still be negotiation. I agree with Ben. He does have a reputation as being a bit bland. I don't know that that's necessarily what you want in morning television. You've got... Healthy, strong competition on seven and nine with very well-established pairings. You're basically going to be, if it's Andrew Rochford or someone else, putting them up, uh, having to bond on air as they go along. And I think, again, it will just condemn 10 to being the third choice out of three fairly similar type of morning programs if there's double-heading I thought you tuned into Studio 10 for the panel and the variety and the different viewpoints. That's why people uh, did. And it seems that uh, 10 are very keen to excise all of that. Doesn't make much sense to me. I think that when the others zig, 10 should be zagging, mm. but it seems it's keen to replicate what we can already get. Who are they going to steal from? Like, that's a good question because, like, at the end of the day, by Channel 10 doing this, they're looking to pinch some ratings from their competitors. and then No, by- they're just trying to stay afloat. They're reducing all the costs to make the studio, um, the, the necessary crew, much smaller with only two people hosting and a couple of guests. It's a much smaller production, doesn't need as many um, uh, floor crew, so you, you're saving on production costs. And uh, it's not about really, I don't think, about trying to take audience from the others. It's about trying to maintain the audience that they've got and maybe they factored in a bit of a dip but they've made, they've obviously done the calculations to say we can survive on this. And Sarah, with Kerry Ann going, she's still contracted. We revealed in TV Black Box today that she is still actually contracted for a while. They're paying her out because they don't want the controversy. They don't want an advertiser backlash based on the controversial comments that can come. So are they going to use her for something else, or is she no, just going to be? They're just paying what? her out. Gardening leave. Well, that's out nice. to pasture. How do I get that? Um, but my thing is, is if if they're looking for a male and a female that have a good rapport, why wouldn't you just keep Joe as the male? Because Sarah and Joe get along so well, they bounce off each mm. other so well, they've been together for so long, just narrow it down to Sarah and Joe. Well, well six years after her release from a Balinese prison, infamous convicted drug smuggler Chappelle Corby has signed on for her first reality TV show, SAS Australia. Contestants, who also include Roxy Jasenko and the Honey Badger Nick Cumming, will endure grueling physical and psychological tests based on those faced by applicants for the special air service. Corby was quoted as saying, I want to stop being institutionalised. I want to open my freedom to a happier life. But many on social media have reacted with outrage, pointing out the Proceeds of Crime Act of 2002 provides for the tracing, restraining and confiscation of proceeds of crime. Sarah, she has served her time. This is not a direct 
relation to her drug smuggling. Isn't it okay for her to earn a living? Why why is there this pile on that the woman can't go and just do a job? I think at some point you have to let her move on and let her be a person and earn a living. This is why criminals re-offend, assuming she did it in the first place, because there's still she still yeah. claims she's innocent. There's been all talk of, you know, she someone used her bag and she got caught with it. But at some point, if you don't let people move on and get a job and have a life, they're going to have to end up re-offending or doing criminal activity in order to pay the rent. Mm-hmm. So let her move on. Let her have a life. People are interested in her for whatever reason. So let her do her thing. Let her earn money. This is not a crime. She's not earning money from crime just because she was famous at one point for that. But, you know, Mike Tyson was a criminal. He was a famous boxer. And then he raped a woman and he was not supposed to be allowed into Australia. And yet the Australian government gave him a visa to come to Australia. So if we can let sports people move on, let's let Chappelle Corby move on and do her thing. Absolutely. Brookie, uh, do you see any problem with Seven employing Corby? No, I don't. I'd be quite interested to watch her. I think the outrage is over the top. The rules in place for not profiting from the proceeds of crime were designed to kill off tell-all interviews, which Chappelle Corby did not give, despite massive blanket live media coverage when she returned to Australia from Bali, and there was all this spec. Was she going to sign with Seven? Was she going to sign mm. with Sunday Night? Was she going to sign with Sixty Minutes? And in the end, none of the networks wanted to touch it. Uh, I think Sarah's right about rehabilitation. I think she does need to get on with her life. If she's found that there's a level of interest amongst television executives for her, then great. From what I understand of the format of the program, she's going to be running around doing very physical challenges. Mm. So I don't think there's going to be a lot of sitting down and talking about what went on in that dreadful Balinese prison. I'm fine with it. I think it's a good choice. It's not Dancing with the Stars where she's trying to get glammed up, Ben. Yeah, I think that that's that's right. I think if she's going to pick any of these reality TV shows, I think I'm a – not I'm a celebrity. I would say that this one is a very good one for her. However, I think that the public is going to make this decision for us because it's going to be a very clear indicator with the ratings. And I think once we see the ratings kick in, it'll be whether or not Australia tunes tunes in or tunes out. Um, I guess with Chappelle – But I would argue 24 hours ago, outside of people like us, no one – no viewers knew about SAS Who Dares Wins, and now they do. Absolutely, you know, this, you're right. You're this making... has been the best launch probably of the year. One article in the Daily Telegraph has exploded, had so many comments on social media. This thing has gone off in 24 hours. But I will also say that it, the press release was sent out by the production company to get that exposure. It was on the front page of every paper in the country except for Melbourne, which is usually a pretty key indicator on how some of these shows are responded to. The bigger shows that have have received higher rating are the ones in which Victoria supports and su- supporting Vic- reality TV shows is important for everyone to get involved with. MasterChef rates well because Melbourne can kicks in so does the block you know you look at these shows uh and they may win over queensland and they may win over west australia and adelaide but i don't necessarily think the ratings is going to be as high as what they expect but i also would just like to throw one other thing on top of it and that is we're obsessed with true crime at the moment true crime is really powerful if you look at the Mm -hmm. direction that the daily mail took with now their editorial like you know the way in which that is presented their leading story every day is nobodies and their horrific crime story and people are lapping it up. I mean, the dailymail.com is doing big business. Like it's actually rivaling news.com.au by yeah, taking that lead. it's in the top four websites each month. Uh, news.com.au has dropped from its traditional number and one that is position. Because it's now number two, three, and ABC News is number one. But Daily Mail is right up there after it had had a bit of a low beforehand. Because Look, of its uh, position with true crime. That's 100% all they did was they took the narrative of that website and ran with it. And to me personally, and I don't want to throw Chappelle Corby into this, but some of those stories on the Daily Mail that people are clicking on and loving, they're horrific. It doesn't represent who I am. No, but there's an interest factor in people from the world of 
true crime and Chappelle is certainly not an, a murderer or anything like that. You know, if we want to talk about it, it was some marijuana milk, uh, you know, like, but there is a fascination with her and, you know, she didn't jump, as Brookie well pointed out, she didn't jump straight into the first TV show that came along. Very true. It was a little bit more than just some marijuana, Rob. It was a boogie bag, a boogie board bag full. We're not talking about whether or not she's guilty. That that was just where that lands. Um, <laughs> absolutely, Chappelle Corby should be allowed <clears throat> should be allowed to work. For Chappelle Corby, this is a great way for her to make some money. It is not her earning proceeds from crime. The fact that she is famous is because ostensibly she was found guilty of a crime. Yes. She's not standing up on this show and saying, so when I was in prison, blah, 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 we've covered all of that stuff off. I think the bigger crime is some of the other people announced in this cast to start with. <laughs> I mean, well done for getting all of the attention on, on Chappelle and getting front pages and all those sorts of things. Nobody outside a very small group of people in Sydney care about Roxy Jacenko. When will television executives learn that? Her reality show on 10 in Pilot Week bombed and didn't come back. And, I mean, you've got, uh, you know, Nick Cummins, who, as the honey badger, turned to both of the finalists in The Bachelor and said, I don't love either of you. (laughs) (laughs) Which is one thing I respect about the guy. I actually, I admire that because it was truth. Um, What is interesting about the Chappelle Corby thing is no one knew about it. It was kept such a secret from the cast. We're not talking about you, Sarah. (laughs) you're not the only one, but uh, the cast and crew did not know. So on set, it was a huge surprise to everyone, apparently. Look, uh, let's move on. And Google has fired off an open letter to all Australians pointing out new regulations would hurt how we use Google search and YouTube. The company says they would be forced to give an unfair advantage to news media businesses over everyone else, and these news media companies would be able to gain access to the data Google has on us. Google also says we already paid them millions of dollars and send them billions of free clicks every year. Nine has issued a statement in response saying, and I quote, it is disappointing that the global digital platforms are highlighting selected elements of the draft code and presenting them in a way which does not accurately reflect the framework in which the draft code will operate. For example, the suggestion that news media businesses will get access to data not available to other content providers is not consistent with the draft code. The the implication that the data provided to news media businesses will not be protected ignores the impact of privacy legislation on those news media businesses. At Nine, we maintain our position, which, at its core, means our premium journalism and content have a clear monetary value, which these platforms should remunerate us for. We look forward to working with the ACCC on finalising the code and then negotiating a fair income, a fair outcome for our businesses with the digital platforms who will be subject to the code. Mulk, everyone's got uh, an interest here. That's where, the, you know, this is all about spin. Yep. But to this day, I've got to be honest, I still don't understand why Google should be paying these media companies when it's driving traffic to their websites for them to monetize. Rob, we could spend the entire podcast tonight just talking about this issue. There are <laughs> so many layers to this and so many parts to it, so I won't get all bogged down. But what I will reflect is that at the very core of what's being and, – and look, for all of Nine and any of the other networks sort of saying that, oh, but Google and um, – Facebook are sort of only giving you the spin version of what it should be, blah, blah, blah. I mean, they're doing a fairly good job of giving us their spin version of it as well. Let's let's be straight up and down about that. Um, if the networks were so concerned about wanting to make sure that um, only them or that they should be monetizing their own, you know, news service and that other platforms shouldn't be benefiting from it, put up a paywall and stop advertising. That's how you solve it. Stop giving Google your money to get your story Correct. listed higher in the search options. Stop paying Facebook or making using Facebook's platform to be able to, you know, get that content into people's faces. They are optional. You don't have to use them. Exactly. People will come to your website if it's good enough and they're delivering the content that I'm interested in. Sure, you need to tell us about it. I mean, hell, let's be frank, 7, 9, 10, have a TV service that they can tell us about. Now, I know lots of people are moving into online to be able to get their news and all those sorts of things, so it makes sense that those um, resources are being redeployed 
into ways to be able to capture that audience that aren't watching broadcast TV. Great. However, the challenge is that you have to be prepared to play in what is a very, very weird Wild West situation where at its straight up and down, if I want to search for a story, I'm just going to go looking for Chappelle Corby, what's she doing? And whoever appears first in the list is probably where I'm going to go and click on to watch. Now, That's we right. know that you can prioritise where you land in that by paying for it. That's how they make their money. Mm-hmm. Just me searching doesn't mean that anyone's getting paid any money for it. There's ads and all sorts of things as well, but it's 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 not as cut and dry as either side want to make out. A hundred percent, hundred percent. But I I fundamentally don't understand. Or it seems to be punish Google because they're convincing advertisers to advertise with them instead of traditional media. Like at the end of the day, Google is sending them to is sending users to their websites. And, Brookie, mm-hmm. I know that you must have a million views on this as a journalist and being in the thick of it. But before you do, I want you to indulge me for a moment because there was a fascinating thread that came up on Twitter from a gentleman called Neil Varco. Now, he is, besides being Edwina Bartholomew's husband, uh, was also the guy who brought Storyful to Australia, has worked at News Corp and does uh, various other things. And his thread said, Google was a partner at News Corp helping us shift to digital with over 24 hours of free training. They have helped me solve problems at other news companies. I now work with them to help local and regional publishers build stronger news businesses. Google did not ask me to share this post on my view and I'm sure that they would prefer that I didn't. I've always had a strong sense of justice. It said so on my primary school report card <laughs> and, this ju- and this feels wrong. It has for a while. In 2018, Google sent more than 2 billion clicks to Australian news publishers from Aussie users. They sent an additional 1 billion clicks of international traffic to Aussie news sites. How much did they get paid for this service? Zero. Here's how it works. People search for news. Google sends them to a news site. Publishers make the coin. Google makes nothing. Now, Google does not... now. Google does make money when a news company buys an ad and someone clicks on it, but it's a fraction of the numbers reported. Atmil Silver puts it at 10 million annually, and you'll notice the ads are rare. So why do people keep saying that Google and Facebook stole money from the news industry? There are many reasons, but none of them stand up when weighed honestly. So what changed? What's the problem? Audience behaviour shifted and publishers get paid less in digital. You can help the news industry by subscribing or donating through membership to your favourite publications. Visiting the host of free commercial news sites is also a great way to support independent journalism. They make money through your attention, advertising. Journalism is about facts. It's also about the public good. It's important that we have a facts-based discussion and no good will come from choosing an enemy instead of working towards a solution. Brookie, your thoughts. I respect Neil and I think that he is right, but there's a whole other dimension to this, and that is is that Google in search and Facebook on social media are so dominant that there is a significant imbalance and you can't do business online without them, and that is either through search or through the advertising. No, you can't actually, Malk. If you want to significantly make money online, it's impossible because they are so dominant at what they do. Google and search is one thing, but they are also providing an entire suite of advertising methodology and information, and they build up incredible profiles Mm -hmm. of the people who are using Google that they then package up for advertisers. They know so much about us. They follow us around the internet and get to know our likes and our dislikes. And that's the kind of information that makes them incredibly valuable. They are basically publishers and advertising platforms. And if you want to use their services, they can sell you whatever demographic that you want That's the kind of information that news publishers feel they don't get Mm -hmm. and would like access to. So this is about punishment. They they accuse Google of using their content because we all go on and do our searches and then look at the news content. But in doing so, Google then gets to know a lot about us and can serve up very targeted advertising 
that the news brands feel they should get a cut of because they're providing the content that is what attracts people to Google in the first place. But, but that's a... I don't... See, this is the argument I don't understand. The news websites are using Google to try and get traffic to their own websites. So it's like double dipping, isn't it? And it seems like a punishment for Google for having a strong platform. I think that Google are certainly puzzled that the ACCC has agreed with the publishers to the extent that it has. I can't see this ending well. I think that legal action is uh, very possible. Google has leapt out of the blocks this week with a very uh, strong statement from Mel Silver saying, my fellow Australians, the quality of what you get via Google and YouTube is about to take a, a giant hit if these new government rules come into play. We will not be able to serve you as well as we have in the past and we will be offering up an inferior service. So they're fighting back. Mm. Uh, but the government has said if you guys can't agree on how this new system is going to work going forward, we are going to introduce something and make it compulsory uh, the fear or uh, one scenario is that Google then sort of throws its hands up and says, well, we won't provide the services in the same way that we have. Yeah, I, I, I would say, uh, all, if I was Google, I would just say, we will make this very simple. You can have an opt-out service. If you don't want to be in our search results, we're going to give you, you fill out this form and news.com.au, ninenow.com.au, uh, sevennews.com.au won't appear in our searches anymore. And that There's be a fine. thing like when you do WordPress that you can click to make it not searchable by the robots. Mm -hmm. So isn't that an easy solution? Well, uh, the thing give is me the $100,000 or whatever you've been spending on building up this legislation. I've just done it in one easy click. <laughs> God. <laughs> okay, big change of pace. Now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches with Sarah. Thanks, Rob. With COVID lockdowns continuing to cause problems for producers, Seven has made the bold decision to move production of The Chase from Melbourne to Sydney. The change of location will allow the network to film the new spin-off show, Beat the Chases, which, as a new production, cannot currently be filmed in Melbourne. The Seven Network today confirmed the renewal of its primetime tentpole program, Farmer Wants a Wife, for its second season on Channel 7 in 2021. Tim Robards has confirmed he is leaving Channel 10's Neighbours due to COVID-19 regulations and travel restrictions. Don Haney will replace him as heartthrob Pierce Grayson. Foxtel has announced a series of new executive appointments designed to streamline the management structure of the business. As part of the changes, Steve Crawley has been promoted to the role of executive director, Fox Sports, while Amanda Lang has been promoted to the new role that will see her oversee all content across Foxtel, KO and Binge. And that is this week's Hatches and Dispatches. Back to you, Rob. Thanks, Sarah. Still to come, we catch up with Grant Dania and... <laughs> Can you hear in the script? that? Where it is in the script. We're opening up the TV Black Vault to get you all the juicy secrets from the TV industry. And Ben's dropping a big one today. He's going to name and shame. Secret, oh. that is. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. These are real confessions. Saying I've wanted to kill my mother since I was eight years old. From real serial killers. I've just got to be violent. Best-selling true crime author Amanda Howlett doesn't just talk about their crimes. She talks directly to them. It's all getting a bit much, really. It's the podcast that goes where others fear to tread. Monsters Who Murder. Serial Killer Confessions. Subscribe now in your favorite podcast feed. 
Well, Family Feud returned to our screens this week for a series of primetime specials. Last week on the Ben Robin Robbo Show, we spoke to the man himself, Grant Denyer, for an interview that covered everything from old reporting stories to why he believes he won the Gold Logie fair and square without the help of Tom Gleeson. Grant, welcome to the Ben yeah. Robin Robbo Show. Yeah. Oh, my God. Woo. This is, seriously, it's better than Letterman. <laughs> well, you've truly made it now, my friend. <laughs> I'm liking your new digs. This is flasher than any studio that I've ever worked in. <laughs> and we do it all from home. All from home. Never have to leave the house. It's a brave new frontier and good to see you're, uh, as always, maximising the medium since the first time I met you, Rob McKnight, when you were a promo producer and you came to visit me at Prime TV Wagga Wagga when I was about nine years of age and we made some television magic together that day. Do you remember? But it was my first question that I was going to talk to you about to bring it back to me, of course. But uh, we did meet all those years ago. And uh, I, I think about that because I remember you coming up to me one day and saying, uh, Rob, and I'm like, hang on, how, how come you know me? You're on TV because you, you were the Sunrise Weather guy. And you said, you did my first promo shoot with me. I was like, did I? You did. Okay. Um, and, and then, of course, I remembered. But when you think back to that journo in... Wagger, who was chasing cats and dog stories and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> what would that guy think of the career you've had? Uh, he'd be blown away. I think it's funny. I was only trying to reflect just the other day going, wow, of, of me as a little boy, what were my wildest dreams back then? And my wildest dreams were to race at Mount Panorama um, mm. and to maybe do a live variety television grand final show. And <laughs> I've... Managed to tick all those boxes. Tick, so tick. It's, absolutely. It's pretty special. I'm very, very blessed. But I remember some of your finest work. You were a great promo producer. Do you remember this one? Because you gave me, being a, a news promo, had to be very serious. I'm worried. Serious weight about it. You remember this manoeuvre? You gave this to me. <laughs> <laughs> you that still was got the it. promo. It was <laughs> kid i was a terrible journo i wasn't an ambulance chaser i wasn't a political animal i wasn't even that worldly and i had a tie borrowed from my grandfather who tied it for me that morning <laughs> oh, bless wait wait i've got to ask you then grant grant can you tie a tie yet because i still can't can you i got a wardrobe like team that does that for that's me. Right. Like, <laughs> that's right. I feel so ridiculous. I've been on so many television shows and I still can't tie a double Windsor. I have to go to the yep. one wardrobe that day. So every, I can do a single. Uh, every- yeah, every time I needed a tie at any point, I'd have to walk in like a little boy going, can someone tie my tie, please? <laughs> oh, I, I love that we have that same experience. Well, at 42 years of age, it's still like I'm on work experience. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that, though, Grant, because you're working on these Family Feud specials honouring Aussie heroes. Now, this was first meant to be focusing on the bushfire heroes, but, of course, then COVID-19 happened, and I thought to myself, how are these specials going to work? But you've actually managed to broaden it and bring in the COVID-19 heroes as well. Yeah, uh, it was... Look, Family Feud has always been good for being a ludicrously silly, flamboyantly crazy show where people say stupid stuff. So for it to make a gear change and and, and kind of have these wonderful Australian humans are on there that we wanted to say thank you for because 2020 has been so terrible. So whether they've been on the front line of bushfires, uh, the worst drought in living memory or the global pandemic it was quite a gear change to have to make as a format so i wondered you know how how would it work like are people still gonna go out on a limb and say something stupid and <laughs> they do <laughs> yeah thank, thank christ they do <laughs> <laughs> it, it is actually fun nature. to watch i've got to say grant i've had the uh, fortune it? to watch it i have seen it um and uh it's actually a lot of fun and it, it it's that feel good that family feud was um are you glad to be back in that position back on tv with family feud yeah it's it's quite funny being welcomed back onto that set is like being welcomed back by an ex-girlfriend who dumped you. <laughs> 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 
But you know what? Like her hair still smells nice and her skin is so soft, <laughs> soft and I still really love her. Well, you, you certainly came across as though you still love her when I saw the episode. I'll give you that. Yeah, it's, it's, it holds a very special place in my heart because it was an incredible three or so years making over a thousand episodes. Is and, that all it was? And, uh, yeah, yeah, nearly nearly four years. Wow. And going on to win a gold Logie, it's obviously holds yes. a pretty special place in, in, in my heart. So I'm nervous going back to it, though. Like, it was wonderful for then and is it, does it still feel the same now? And, and just like a good ex-girlfriend, it still felt the same. <laughs> You, you, you know, like you mentioned there's so much we want to speak to you about, but you brought up the gold logie, and there's now controversy because Tom Gleeson claims to have got you that gold logie when Family Feud yes. finished on our screens. What is your official feeling on the Tom Gleeson claim now? Uh, he'll claim uh, fatherhood to your firstborn if you give him a chance. <laughs> <laughs> He's... He's out of Very control. True. He's a one. He's look. He's an absolute lunatic. Uh, and it was. It was. It was. I feel differently about it now than I did at the time. To be honest, at the time, I was racing. I'd been nominated for gold. Uh, Family Feud had been axed, and there was this great groundswell and and love and support for for the format. And then he jumps on at the eleventh and a half hour. Um, hijacks my campaign whether I liked it or not <laughs> and then just ran with it and I was in two minds I thought oh this is a bit of fun and I thought oh I know what's going to happen here if if I win it, it'll be because of him and I thought I don't want to win in, in those kind of circumstances yeah. I want it to be you know in my own right on my own two feet um, and sure mm. enough it happened and uh, he cl he claims it I, I know by fact that I was already leading before he even jumped on the bandwagon but you know, he's a comedian telling funny jokes, and that's what comedians do. And he's a very, very funny bloke. And then his mm. own campaign the following year was just out of control. Out oh, yeah, of yeah, absolutely. Control. But I, look, Grant, I agree with you on that, but I really do think that you are very deserving of that gold logo with all the stuff you've done through Sunrise and, you know, Australia's Got Talent and all of these wonderful shows that you've been part of, the Australian Spelling Bee. I, I, I think that you are what embodies. What is, you know, a, a Gold Logie winner, you are someone who has worked across so many genres and have done such an amazing work. So I really think that, forget Tom Gleeson for the moment, I think that you thoroughly deserved that Gold Logie. Um, let's you. bring it back to you and I now, though, for a moment. <laughs> yeah. um, and obviously we work together. Your best girlfriends. Uh, you, yeah. <laughs> you, Cheryl, myself, we worked on the glory days of Sunrise, but it, was, it, it wasn't until... Studio 10, where I visited the set of Family Feud that we finally got to share the screen together in a wonderful way. Let's have a look at that now. Right, Mr. Daniel, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here on Studio 10. Um, thank you, Robbo, and thank you for calling me Mr. Daniel. Well, you know, I've always respected you for so, so long. Is it the height thing? I think it is. <laughs> yes, it's, I'm trying to give you some respect. <laughs> Now, it was a. I mean, I still respect you now. If I can, if I'm probably taller than you, if I can, yep, still taller than no. It's <laughs> grown a few inches. That's not bad. Um, the other thing that I I've loved. Got, I've, now, now, I've got the Daryl Summers Cuban heels now, which I wear as a, <laughs> all the time. So between oh, that, that that's man. another Darryl lawsuit. Summers. That'll be a lawsuit this <laughs> way. Yeah. Mr. Summers doesn't Anthony really like us. Or push my fringe up for another two inches right there. So <laughs> well, Grant, let's just say that uh, Anthony Clear needs all the inches he can get. Um, so let's let's move on now, really quickly. Uh, we then established you and I, which I love because you've always been such a, a you know a lovely man. Um, and, and giving your time so freely, it started off when I made a phone call to you. You were so lovely. We said, we need Grant Denyer as part of this. I was doing a shark dive. It was early in my reporting, uh, and we made a phone call to you. We'll chat about this in a moment, but let's have a look at it. It's a pretty big step for me because in almost 25 years, this is the closest I've ever come to the ocean. Normally, I put a bit of sea salt spray in the hair and watch a bit of Bondo Rescue, but today, it's time for me to stand up. The panel have sent me a challenge to conquer and face my fears and get back in the water with great white sharks. If Alison Langdon can do it, I can do it too. I can't do it. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to get in the... That's scared. Yes, I'm not going to get in the cage. I'm sorry. I... Well, maybe I'll get file vision or something, but I'm not getting in the cage. I'm not, I'm not doing it. Sorry. But Grant you did it. What? Grant you did it for sunrise. 
Okay. Uh, one sec. Hello. Hey, hello, Mr. Denya. It's Robbo. Hey, Robbo. What can I do for you? <laughs> they want me to do a shark dive story, but I, I don't know if I should. Do you think I should? That's an easy one, Robbo. Look, if you want to do prime time, mate, all I can say is you got to get in the water. You do. Oh, prime time. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The real winner is television. Beautifully said, Robbo. You're the best, Mr. Denya. Thank you. Bye. Love you. Grant's words of wisdom couldn't have come at a better time. We'd arrived, and the bait was set. Oh, can I... No, no, sorry, Robbie, before you ask that question, I've just got to say, we're doing a feature interview with Grant Denyer, and I've seen more vision of you than the actual guest. And, and you know what? I can quickly say to you, the first question to the man, this superstar, this... This wonderful legend of Australian television, you made it about yourself. So I guess you said... No, he made it there, about really. me. He made it about uh, me. Anyway, back to it. Grant, in this industry where it's, you know, it's, it's really all about the person, you have been, not just with me, but with many, many people, many productions, you've been so giving with your time. Why do you think that's important and, and why do you do it? Why do I do it that way? Well, just why, like, you, you know, you're very busy and you're very important in the industry, but you seem to give your time so freely and so, if I can use the word lovingly, I just think it's a really nice thing. You're a massive star. Why do you do those kind of things where you just give your time, give your, you know, your talent and, and, and things like that? Why do you do it? Well, I like you, Robbo, first and foremost. Uh, but I, I've been lucky enough to have a couple of mentors along the way that were really big important junctions in the road in which I was given an opportunity to go further up the ladder, if you like. And without those couple of people, I would be nothing. Like, I wasn't joking when I said I was a terrible journo. I wasn't smart enough to go through university, so I was going to have to find a backdoor into television and into, into media. So that backdoor came at Prime TV, Wagga Wagga, where I was washing news cars, uh, which is true, and carrying tripods. And I would work for free in my school holidays, you know, for three years, just hoping that someone would teach me to write, teach me how to do voiceovers, just teach me how to become a journo. And th that bloke, Doug Hogan in, in Prime Wagga, he saw something in me that I didn't even see myself. Like I was never going to be a great journalist, but he let me go in there and he let me make a ton of mistakes, like a ton of mistakes, just to round out those rough edges. And a couple of important moments in my career, I've had someone like that. And so it's occasionally, it's nice to be able to sort of help someone else out because it's, it takes the same amount of energy to pull someone up the ladder as it does hold someone down. Yeah. I, I just want to, and really quickly, I, you know, I've already, uh, praised you enough, I think, Mr. Denyer, in this interview, but I just want to say you, you've always been lovely. Uh, you know, whenever we see each other, when we saw each other at Channel 10, it was so lovely to see you and you were so warm and Shezzy was so warm. So I really appreciate everything that you did to, uh, you know, help me up that can letter you, while I was at Channel 10. I appreciate it. My wife, is, my wife is so warm. That is that is weird uh, when you say it like that. Yeah, I, look, uh, I, I've got to say it's the first time, yeah, it's the first time I've ever said a woman was warm. Uh, and I feel weird about it, actually. Um, but I love Shezzy and I love you. So let's move on really quickly. Grant, maybe no, can I just I don't know. I don't know who's getting a job in this interview, but someone's definitely looking for one. Uh, I would love to ask you some questions. We've never worked together, so I don't have any footage to show you. But uh, I'm all. <laughs> Not it's yet, true, anyway, uh, but I wanted to ask you, because you've had a real passion for radio over the last five years, and you've worked across the country with so many familiar faces, can you tell me like, which show you enjoyed working in radio on the most? Uh, oh, shit. We do a lot of radio, which is really, really cool. Um, ooh, that's, a, that's a really, really tough question. Um, it's it's always hard when radio stations are always trying to outdo one another. So there's always stupid games that they always want you to to play and and embarrass yourself. So that's that's always challenging because you never know what they're going to throw at you when you walk in someone else's doors. And when you go in their studio, you're at their mercy. You've got to play by their rules, and whether you like it or not. I remember being, I remember I walked into a radio station in Perth at that time, and I think it might have been Will and Woody who are now on Kiss. Yeah. But I went in there and I didn't realise that they had hypnotised one of the boys and they'd hypnotised the boys into thinking that I was like 103 years of age. 
So I walk in. <laughs> I don't know this. I sit down, and the first question is, "Wow, you move really well." And I was like, uh, <laughs> "Thanks." And uh, so I start ch- chatting about TV and uh, and motor racing, and they said, "Wow, you've still got your license even at this age." <laughs> and <I'm> like, <laughs> And you know, I just and you were shrinking. I don't. (laughs) I just. I'll keep going. I have no idea what's going on here. And it wasn't until a hypnotist came out, touched me on the shoulder. I went all funny. He's obviously hit me in a pressure point or something. Then they released the host. That I that they declared that I he thought I was a hundred and three year old TV presenter. That's just just the norm. Brilliant. So so that gave you the the thrill of radio, Grant. Yeah, that was like, wow, you can really get away with this sort of stuff? This is amazing. And then all of a sudden, like, wow, what what are we capable of doing on radio? So I've always had a passion for well, radio. It's it's cool. I think your passion is, like, it's, it's obvious, you know, and I really enjoy listening to you on radio. And you've definitely worked with a lot of co-hosts. Now, I just didn't want to ask for favourites or get you to throw anyone under the bus. I thought of a really fun thing to play a bit of a game with you. Now, <laughs> yeah. can, we, can we do maybe Kiss, Marry, Kill with three of these co-hosts? Can you play along? Oh, I, <laughs> I, know, I know how much stuff that comes from your shows and podcasts that makes it into mainstream media, so this is bloody dead. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 we're going to play. We have to, can I, this will be fun. I've given you three and I... You ways in which you know you've been in radio and television you know how to be able to work the magic just tell us the truth anyway ed cavalli m rossiano evie jones we want kiss marry kill ed cavalli m rossiano evie jones i'd kill ed um before he he killed me because he's he's huge yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen if you've ever seen Ed without his shirt on. There's a photo, a famous I photo have. of him in a sw- swimming pool, <laughs> and uh, if you've seen that photo, it looks like he's holding me, teaching me to swim. His, uh, <laughs> 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 so I'd get on the front foot and take him out first. Um, I, I, I'd kiss M. Ruciano, um, and then I'd quickly duck the right hook that she would send me for doing it. And then I would. I would marry Evie Jones because she really makes me laugh. She's an absolutely wonderful lunatic. What a perfect well, answer, trying to avoid any headline-making statements that you've done at Grand <laughs> no, Well done. We've so read between the lines on this. We know where you're going with all of those. But uh, I will say, though, because radio <laughs> chemistry is so important between its co-hosts. I mean, how important is it for you when it comes to, you know, palling up with someone in radio? And how important is chemistry between co-hosts? I'd never, I'd never been a host of a radio show before until we got that, that job in Sydney. And it, uh, radio tends to work pretty funny. Sometimes they go, hey, let's, uh, let's tick a couple of boxes. Let's get a guy from television. Let's get a comedian and let's get a, 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 you know, a, a wonderfully funny feminist and then throw them together because we've ticked three great boxes. The show should work. Hmm. Um, and that doesn't always work that way. Um, so it takes time to, to bed down to get to know your strengths and weaknesses. And I was a rookie. I, like, I had, I had no idea about radio. And I also had a lot of respect for the experience that the other guys had. So I, um, yeah. I, I sort of put myself in their hands and, and then learn, had to learn along the way. And that, that wasn't easy because, you know, I was making mistakes and I was green and and that's hard for them being veterans of, of, the, of the industry like Ed was, but he was a pretty good coach and he pulled me aside and he'd teach me a lot. But, you know, dynamic is not something that you can make overnight. That's just like it's a black art that very few, like even back to that era when we first became, you know, number one on Sunrise, I don't think any of us in our own right were particularly the, the best talent. I was, certainly wasn't the best weatherman. But just the ensemble kind of just worked for no yeah, rhyme or reason. Like Koshi was just a, a weird financial nerd <laughs> with with not a lot of television, you know, hosting experience like that. But it just it just worked, and it and that was by sheer chance, not because we were all the best at what we did. Well, you are the best at what you do. I can't imagine anyone else hosting Family Feud and doing all the shows you've done, Grant. You've had highs, you've had lows, but we absolutely love you. Thank you for being on the Ben Robin Robbo Show today. 
it's been so much fun. Thank you, gents. And please don't run anything bad about me, you know, in the mainstream media. I'd like, I'd like to keep this, main, this this nice guy attitude going on for just a little bit longer. <laughs> no, we love you. Oh, Thank love you, mate. Thank you, Grant. See you guys. It'll be interesting, Malt, to see how Family Feud does going forward. Uh, Ten will be hoping for a bit of a pickup. They the shows were good. Be. Look, I watched sh- it. I liked it. In itself, it was fine, right? It was Grant Denyer fronting Family Feud, all of the reasons why people should watch it, except that not very many people did. Mm. Like, it was 600,000 viewers off the pace of Farmer Wants a Wife and uh, Ninja Warrior, and, and that's just nowhere good business for that to try and succeed. In part, not a bad move for 10 to put it, air quotes, sacrifice it onto Sunday to give Masked Singer some free air on Tuesday nights, at least until the block kicks off. But even this week on Tuesday night, the Masked Singer is up against uh, Australia versus the World Ninja Warrior special. So, I mean, 10 are in all sorts of trouble, not least of which is their big primetime Family Feud comeback gets 360,000 viewers. I, I don't know that it was ever planned to be a world beater. It was something to bring the format back and, and do something nice. And it was, you know, Grant's a bloody legend and I love him. And he, There is he no gave, suggestion that the reason this interview. hasn't rated is because of Grant Denyer. No. All right. Now it's time for the inside goss on what's happening around the world of TV and celebrity as, can you hear it? We open the TV Black Mm. Vault with Ben. Survey says that's bullshit. (coughs) My throat. (laughs) (coughs) That's hard to do. Well, I think that you need to leave the coughing in. That was definitely wonderful. (laughs) And just to go back to something a little bit earlier, you said that you spelt it in the script. How do you spell that sound effect, by the way? Uh, I spelt it and I'm just taking the auto key back. Lots of E's and K. E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-K. Okay, great. <laughs> I don't. I'm so sorry to everyone to inspire that. Um, last week I had three. I had three of these um, for people to guess, and I did have quite a few people writing to me and slipping into my DMs to ask the question. Number one was the one that people wanted to know the answer to, and that was who protested too much on Bachelor in Paradise, only to ditch their new love less than seven days later. This guy has returned to his poor long-term relationship with his tail between his legs. And this is Tim Mann? Tim, um, Tim with two M's. Tim ah. with two M's, yeah. Apparently before he went on to Angie's season of Timmy. The Bachelorette, he had just ended a long-term relationship. Well, he's now back in that relationship. I always think, you know, good on you because maybe he left something behind, but I'd feel a little bit... Um, what's the word for it? Jibbed, if I was Cheated. Her. Cheated, It's a long yeah. way to go back just for a toothbrush. <laughs> no, he, he, got, he got his 15 minutes of fame, didn't he? Sure did. I don't know. He didn't strike me as someone who was necessarily looking for that. Did anyone else get that from Tim? He I didn't cover himself in glory on Bachelor in Paradise this season. He was part of the horrific reveal that the bro code rules large, and it was pathetic. Okay, well, there we go. That's probably the reason why he's gone to a cave, otherwise known as his ex-girlfriend. Um, <laughs> all right, number one. Which reality TV star was overheard on a night out recently telling people the show that he was on was 100% rigged, not to mention bragged that they were treated better than all the other contenders? Oh. Ugh. Number two, who asked their manager to set up a meeting with the opposing network to suss out any upcoming opportunities only for them to rubbish their current job? Not surprisingly, an email was sent out to executives putting a total ban on this starlet. (laughs) Wowzers. That's a big one. Um, And then finally... Who just bought a million-dollar mansion to celebrate their new engagement to a man they only met in March? To be what? fair, though, I just will quickly say this. <laughs> I moved in with my partner in and bought a dog, and we'd only been together for two months. Yeah, so, to be fair, Ben, <laughs> just to put things in perspective, bought a dog, bought a million-dollar mansion. <laughs> I, it's all relative depending on how much money you've got. Yeah, well, look, I didn't have the million dollars, but look, my dog is worth a million dollars to me, so it's basically the same thing. And All you right. can sell a house. The dog you've got to fight over. That's true. All right, let's shut her up for another week. 
<laughs> that was me trying to do it fast. That was terrible. Yeah. All right, that brings us to the end of another episode of TV Black Box. Thank you, Mog. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Brookie. Thank you, Ben. We will see you next week for all the latest TV news. Go to tvblackbox.com.au. If you're not there, you're not getting your news from anywhere. I'll see you soon. I think Goodbye. Mark just put his hip out. <laughs> I don't even know what that tagline means. <laughs> it's good. Can I we stop now? Good. Yeah, we stopped. Yeah. That concludes our broadcast day. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.